You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey with Brian Manning. Hey, Brian, how you doing today in the doldrums? I'm good, John. How about yourself? Uh, just recovering from whatever pestilence has been trying to clobber everybody in the Blacksburg, Christiansburg area. I think half of Montgomery County is waiting outside of some medical clinic or, or some drugstore looking for for something to stop whatever this is, or at least cope with it. Yeah, it's a bad time of the year for sickness and for sports. Yeah, well, as we were talking about what we're going to talk about in the show today, you can't miss the fact that the main point of the show today is that heart-rending loss last night against Miami at the Castle. Heart-rending not because we led the game and then lost it and then won it back, whatever, it was heartbreaking because it was a triple overtime where the third overtime, the team just ran out of gas and Miami put up like 12 points and we could only put up five. And I think at the beginning of that third period, I don't know about how you feel about it, but I just got the feeling as I was looking at the stats because I'm an old man and had to go to bed. It was one of those emotional people. I think I would have cried for these guys. They they put it all on the line but and, and pushed every bit of everything they had. But, man, is that a tough thing to do is to, to go three overtimes like that, three five-minute overtime periods, and come away with, with that kind of loss when you came back several times over the game and you hung tough. And then as a fan, I realized – this team is like one for two or one for three in close overtime games. In, in the close games that we've had, we've lost more than we've run one. And I'm thinking to myself, man, we keep getting out talled, you know? Yeah, I noticed last night that the Hokies finally played um, freshman forward John Ojiako at 6'10 freshman, who hasn't, hasn't seen much action this year. And he actually held, held up pretty well last night. I think he blocked five shots, pulled down six rebounds, played 23 minutes of action, which I think most of the action was due to the game being played, having 55 minutes of action. But that's an encouraging sign. The The biggest guy on the team actually getting in and getting some action I thought was very encouraging. Yeah, the blocks, the defense, his defense seemed to really catch. He wasn't blazing shooting. He, he was two for two, three free throws, and – basically put up four points. He was two for four from the floor. But 
who was impressive again coming off the bench was Jalen Cohn, who put up 20 points. But he didn't come up with a whole lot of rebounds, though, as as in a big fat goose egg. But when you're dropping 20 points with two assists, that's a really good performance off the bench. Tyrese Radford was led the team again, and he had a double double last night: 26 points and 10 rebounds. And Landers Nolly put up a double double at 18 points and 11 rebounds. Nolly struggled, struggled really badly from the floor last night. He was four of 21 and one of eight from three-point range. And it's kind of been a theme of late with him. I mean, he's a, had a really good rookie freshman season here, but he struggled as of late. And and while Ty, while he struggled a bit, Radford has just just gotten better and better I mean, just since the start of ACC play. And I'm not sure so sure that Radford's not the most valuable hokey basketball player that we have right now yeah it's funny i'm looking at the yahoo stats right now and it finished radford cone nolly aline and then bead or some people say beady but and actually beady got eight <laughs> wabissa put in eight last night which is very rare for him so and he had six assists which that's not rare for him that's he's kind a, of he's a really good floor general and a point guard. He just does. He's not, not a scorer. He's a very valuable player on this team, and I, I wish they had more. I wish he would drop more balls in the hoop, though. It would have been more I, interesting if if we had Blackshear this year to see Beatty's. There wouldn't be so much pressure on him. Some have on him to score because with Nolly and well, Nolly was the sole scorer early, but Cone and Radford have picked up the scoring slack as the season has worn on, but. It would it would have been really nice if we'd have had an inside presence, and I think the people wouldn't have noticed Beatty's lack of scoring. But outside of two games, I mean, he's just been really solid. He takes care of the ball. He's an excellent man on man defender. Just a really good point guard. Just he's just not a scorer. That's just not who he is. Yeah, and that that always frustrates. Like like Catherine, who's our editor, she played basketball in junior in elementary school and junior high school, and you know, it, it, she gets so frustrated with the fact that the, her big thing is is that nobody's rebounding. She was a big defender. That we put up shots and there's nobody inside to follow up the shot w- with a rebound and to put the ball back up. There's so many put the ball up and retreat. Put the ball up and re- the whole team retreats. Now there might be a reason for that. I'd love to sit down with Young and ask him why. Because I know everybody in, in in the crowd is screaming for somebody to go in and get into position to take one of these rebounds off of these missed three point shots, and they're just if they miss a three point shot, they're just running back down the court again. So some of that's got to be cleaned up at some point, and uh, this team will turn a corner. But until that happens, a one hundred and two point score versus a 95-point score is going to happen. It's going to be a run-and-gun shooting match. And yeah, I think this team is just built to – I mean, Young has built this team on – you know, he's built a team around the size deficiency, so you're, that's why the team is built on threes, and they know they can't rebound. So it's just – I mean, Radford's done an outstanding job, but they know that it's just shoot the three, go play defense, shoot the three, go play defense. And when that's going in, you can beat just about anybody, especially – in college basketball this season when there's no dominant team but yeah, but when, when it's, it's not when, going in you got to go in after that rebound you got to crash the board you got to crash the board 
they're they're not going to beat teams unless the shots fall. They're not they're just not good enough to to do anything else. I mean, this team has to hit three pointers or they're not going to win, and and that's been the case. I mean, you saw them to beat Michigan State earlier in the year, and and then they go to Virginia and lose by thir- almost thirty when when you know Virginia's not the same team this year, but. We didn't have a chance because we weren't shooting the ball well. I think Nolly was the only guy who was scoring that day. I think we had 39 points. So just an up-and-down season, as expected. But I think overall, very, very excited and happy about what Mike Young has done with the limitations. I think we lost our top five scores last year. Oh, it's it's amazing. And he's still – he's got this – the direction of basketball at Virginia Tech is in is in a very good position right now. Oh, it is. It, it this year was going to be a sacrificial year. It was going to be a matter of how good was this team going to start looking like they were going to be. And we're starting to see some guys sort themselves out and separate themselves from the crowd. I mean, Radford played fifty minutes. PJ Horn was only on the floor thirty minutes. He wasn't even on the whole game. He put up 30 minutes, and he put up 20 points in 30 minutes. There's some serious talent out there. It's just we need some big, and we need they need to start putting up shot plays where they're following up shots so that if it comes out, they can at least put up two. Sadly, the comments about big guys, it's just not going to happen. I mean, No, because- not for right now, so that's why they're going to have to make those adjustments. Well, I mean, in general, in college basketball, if you get any good big guy out of high school, he's not coming to Virginia Tech. He's going to go to Duke. He's going to go to North Carolina. It's just you just got to hope you get these guys like Ojiako and, and like Blackshear was and, and develop them over time because the the big-time guys aren't going to come in and contribute early. What you want to hope for maybe is get a Juco guy in next year who's six eight, six nine, who can help out. That's, yeah. that's your best hope for immediate contributions from a guy with size up front. Yeah, well, at this point, we're going to take a break and we'll be back to talk about some of the other goings on in the sports and take a look at, you know, the last couple of throws of the regular season of basketball. So if you all hang on and we'll be back after this. Hey, we're back. I'm going to let Brian wrap up a little bit here on the basketball situation. Tell us what's going on. We're not going to make the big tournament, guys. What we're shooting at is, is this team got enough oomph to get a bid to the NIT and maybe run deep into the NIT and kind of finish up the season with its head up? I mean, I don't even know what the ACC tournament's going to look like. So it's going to be interesting. So, Brian, go ahead. Right now the Hokies are 15-11, and 11, which doesn't sound bad on the surface. They're 6-9 and nine in the league play. Fortunately, there's five games left to go, and you, you would think if the Hokies could win two or three of those games, they stand a good chance of making the NIT. But when you look at the schedule, the next three games are as tough as a stretch as any team in college yeah. basketball this season. Pretty brutal. This Saturday, they, they they go to Cameron Indoor to play Duke in a primetime game on Saturday night, and then they turn around on Wednesday, and they host UVA, which is playing much better than they were back in early January. This is one of Tony Bennett's better coaching jobs he's done, and he does an outstanding job every year. But with what they had to replace, he's figuring things out as he goes, and they're they're going to be a tough out on anybody right now, even though it's not the same team as last year. And then on the 1st of March, they, they travel to Louisville, who is 11th in the country right now. But Louisville's one of those teams who can play like the, the number one team in the country and then lose to – I don't know, a Wake Forest type team the next night, but they're they're going to be a tough matchup for the Hokies. And 
that's going to be a three-game stretch where I think most of us would say that's probably three losses right now. But if you could salvage one of those games, especially that UVA game in Blacksburg is huge. I mean, they have to win that game. And then after they play those three-game stretch, they actually return to the castle on the 4th of March, hosting Clemson, who they beat, if we all remember, on the opening game of the season down in South Carolina. Clemson's playing pretty well lately, and, and of course, that's a toss-up game. And I don't know the Hokies are playing as well lately as Clemson is. And then they end the season at Notre Dame, another winnable game. But we also said Miami was winnable both times, so – I don't know what well, you're looking at. Last, at least the last last night's game, they had a shot all the way to the end until they just ran out of gas. So maybe they pull out two wins out of the last couple of games. We'll see. Maybe three. And I, I they'd have to. I think the NIT they're going to have to at least pull out three wins. And I don't know how they do that. Well, they could they could go seventeen and fourteen and get an NIT berth. Yeah. Possibly, but it depends on who on who those wins are against. Yep. You know, because it's a pure invitational. That's that's not like the NCAA where there's automatic stuff, and NIT is completely you know an invitational. So we'll we'll leave it at that for right now. The one basketball team that is really tearing it up that does have a a, a real serious opportunity to get into the NCAA tournament, I expect them to get into the NCAA tournament. Is the women's basketball team? They are playing some seriously good ball right now. I know it's going to challenge everybody to go scrambling around to look it up because you have to go to Hokie Sports to get those stats. Very few services carry it. But everybody, I encourage everybody to take a look. The women's team is almost finished. Their season is almost wrapped up, and they are playing some really good basketball. So don't forget about them. I'm trying to get my wife talked into going to the game on Sunday getting tickets and going to the game on Sunday because that's going to be, that's going to be the UVA game with the women's UVA game. And I'll go cheer to beat UVA any day. Well, they're tied right now. The Hokies, the, the lady Hokies are tied for third at nine and five in the conference. And they have a 19 and six overall mark and Kenny Brooks done an excellent job with the women's program. So and, you know, they're ahead of a lot of uh, programs like North Carolina and Duke, who I think we usually realize are pretty good. Notre Dame is usually a pretty good program too and they're they're at the bottom of the league louisville's at the top nc state and then of course we're tied with fsu so yeah i i agree with you good things happen in the women's program yeah and last year i remember them struggling and and kind of floundering around and he didn't have all the players he wanted now they got this liz kidley but she's six five okay my wife is six feet tall which I'm kind of used to having a tall wife. So, but to see a girl six foot five inches tall, that's really a, a, a unusual. And she's using it. She's in there. She's the number two scorer right now. And she's a freshman. So that's, you know, they've got some talent. They've got some really good players. They've got Dara Mabry who, who can hit from the outside. She, she lines up a shot and she fires it off. And it's like, she, she shoots better than most of the guys from three-point range and I mean deep three-point range not right up on the line she and she fired off and she'll she'll drain it so it's very exciting to watch I've been enjoying it when I get a chance to get over there so that's the one sport I wanted to check in on the other one is baseball and I know that's not a big thing for you because you haven't caught up with it I mean you know baseball like a lot of other people know baseball but it's so unusual to start up an actual season 
right now when pitchers and catchers just finished reporting. You know, now the main teams are reporting for the pros. It's kind of hard to believe that there's baseball seasons actually fully underway. Well, and I'll have a story out probably later. Usually I do it on Wednesday, but there was the basketball game last night and a few issues. So I'm going to probably get the summary out by tomorrow evening and then track this weekend's game and get all of that out by Wednesday. But the Hokies started off one and two. They went down to South Carolina, Conway, South Carolina, to do this tournament. And the third game got rained out. That was with Coastal Carolina. That was going to be a tough game. They lost their opener seven to five, and they lost their middle game seven to five. And two different ways. One, Ian Seymour started off and was shutting out. I mean, there was a lot of hits, but but the team was shutting their opponent out. And it just ended up getting weirder and weirder as time went on. And as the same thing that Snake bit us last year, Snake bit us this year, and that's that it looks like Coach Chef is still having an issue with his bullpen where the starting pitching is really good and the batting is okay, but they're running into serious problems getting the ball over the plate when they're not the starting pitcher. So at this particular juncture, if my internet will behave itself, I'll go over the upcoming games that we're going to be trying to cover because then now we go on an extended road trip. Because what happened was the Hokies came home and absolutely got revenge for the first two losses after the canceled game on Sunday. They came back. They opened up against ETSU. It's East Tennessee State University, for those people unaware, 10-3. to 3. And there were home runs and everything else. The opening game was against San Diego State, which is no slouch. San Diego State, as if, if for those of us who are Nats fans, that's the kind of the college team for Steven Strasburg. And they're actually a good, really good baseball team. And then the University of North Carolina at North Carolina at Greensboro is actually a good baseball team too. And those those were two of the two five and seven games. So they canceled the cancel the, the Coastal Carolina game, which probably is a blessing because Coastal Carolina is really good. And then they came home and they got themselves started out. They're headed down to Lafayette, Louisiana, to play the Raging Cajuns down south for three games on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we'll report on Wednesday on that. They're coming home, but they're going to Radford on Tuesday, the 26th. They'll be playing in Radford University, which is, you know, it's kind of the Price's Fork, the Battle of Price's Fork and Pepper's Ferry Road. So it's going to be an interesting baseball week, and we'll be keeping it up as things go on. But the last thing we got to cover here real quick is that spring ball is just around the corner. We've got a couple of big articles coming up. Uh, or interesting articles, not necessarily big, huge articles. I know uh, Brian's got a couple in this cooker about some football recruiting and some of the other things going on. And I've got a, a big article coming out about the frustrations that we have and the realities of what it is to be where we are in the standings and what we're going to have to learn to live with and what we can maybe hope for. So I'll I'll be hitting that. So that's that's about it. Brian, you have anything else before we wrap this up? Just uh, football practice. Spring practice starts in exactly three and a half weeks. Yep. Counting down to spring football and counting down to it's not quiet, but this is not 
this is kind of the doldrums for us and we want you to stick with us and keep reading and keep listening to the podcast so as always go Hokies go Hokies (laughs) 